Well, as you turn back to Matthew 16.13, we continue to celebrate Christmas, and today we're looking at the, the pronouncement, this great pronouncement. Of course, this pronouncement comes well after the birth of Christ, and so in your mind you may be thinking, well, is that really then the the Christmas story. Well, as we were just singing, the Christmas story does not end at the birth of Christ. That, that's the beginning. That, that, that's just the, the setting the stage for the real value. The real value of why is this baby being born? Who is this, this baby being born? And what is the 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 ramifications well the question then is well who is Jesus right who who is this baby that would be the question of the ages who is this baby um and in Matthew 16 verse 13 through 17, we see that that Jesus asked the question, well, who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? Who do people think I am? Another way is, who is Jesus, right? Who is Jesus? And Jesus himself is asking <laughs> that question. And so it's a good thing for us to challenge ourselves and say, well, do I really understand who Jesus is? Do I have the right Jesus? Um, is there anything more important? Is there anything more important than understanding who Jesus is? Getting the right Jesus. And so we know that, well, in just about every conflicting every counterfeit religion they're going to have their their version of Jesus they're going to have their opinion of Jesus and whether Jesus is just a prophet or whether Jesus is just a man or whether Jesus is a god or whether Jesus is part of a plurality there's a lot of inclusion of Jesus it's hard to get around him. He's a central key figure uh, in the history of the world. And so it seems like if you're going to create, invent, or counterfeit a religion, you should probably include him. Well, that's the rub. That's the problem is everywhere you go, you hear kind of a different story or a different version of Jesus. And then you have just some, you know... Uh, your traditional country, uh, America folklore, you know, Jesus, Christmas, the collision of Jesus and Christmas and the, the sweet baby in the manger. And I'm amazed that as you drive around and you see the little manger scenes, right? And the interpretation, I mean, you can almost tell what the family's thinking by the manger scene and their interpretation then of 
these cute little donkey and a cute little lamb and a cute little baby. You know, it's like, oh, I guess a cute little baby's born. That's it, you know? But so much more, so much more. And part of the problem that we run into is in this postmodern, you just kind of create your own version of the truth. Well, that becomes even more difficult for us because, well, your Jesus, that's good for you, right? You, you got your Jesus. Um, I know my truth. I know my version of my Jesus. So you just keep yours to, to yourself. Or include it. Hey, all, all versions are great. This is one of the great lies that we have today. This, this concept of, well, just, just include everything. Which defies logic because that is very clearly uh, an inclusion of everything. It would just be polytheism. That's exactly what the Egyptians did. That's exactly what the Babylonians did. The Canaanites, the Philistines, the Persians, the Romans. That's what they're asking us to do today. And I mean the church. Many in the church are asking us to do this today. So it makes it even more critical that we understand, well, who is the right Jesus? And is it enough to say, well, I just have my version? No. Look, there, there are simple, plain, true facts. Um, you know, not to be political, but thinking more historical here, you know, there's a, a project going on right now called the 619 Project, right? That all the, the, the evils of America all began in 1619 and all began with the, the, the foundational history of America being a, a country of slavery. Now, right away, that should resonate as kind of a red flag because if you guys know history at all, you'd realize, um, didn't we become a country in 1776? simple math here and 1619 is a lot earlier than 1776 so even at your best it's like well blame the Brits then because you know this is a British colony not America but the point is this we, we, we don't just take information we don't just take pieces of factoids and paste them together to create our own narrative. Well, that's exactly, that's actually exactly what we do today. We call that hard hitting news actually. Um, I'm being sarcastic. So here we come into the church and the church has done a lot of the same thing. So it's important for us to go to the scriptures to say, okay, well, what does the Bible teach about Jesus? And we, we get a great insight here in Matthew 16. And so today we're going to ask the question, who's Jesus? Why? So that we get it right. And we're going to look at three, three things. We're going to see at who do they say Jesus is? Who does Jesus say Jesus is? That's usually a good one, right? Go to the source. And then ultimately, who do you say Jesus is? Because there is a takeaway. There is a takeaway. And so back to Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, 
who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now remember, they just they just had this uh, interaction with the Pharisees. Jesus is is warning, warning, warning about the teaching of the Pharisees, the teaching of the Sadducees. These are the quote unquote. Uh, Jewish men of God of the time. This is the clergy. This is a warning against the pastors, right? Hey, be careful what they're saying. Be on guard to what is being said. Well, how do I know? Because that guy sounds pretty good. Well, you know because you cross-check that with the word of God. And so, and I would encourage you, yeah, of course, like Bereans, you study, you make sure that what I'm saying is accurate. And that's why I attempt to teach directly from the scriptures. So when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea, he began asking, who do the people say that the son of man is? Well, right away, he kind of throws out this little title. It's a pretty clever little little throwaway line, right? It's like, uh, he's not just saying his name, he's actually throwing out a godly title. He's actually throwing out or, or an, an element of his deity. The, the, the son of man is, is not a, a human designation. It's actually a very spiritual, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a designation used only for the son of God. Which is really weird because you think the Son of Man is the Son of God, but there is a Son of God. Yeah. And if you've noticed, Jesus has a lot of different titles and names. So the Son of Man is already like, a, here's a little hint. Here's a little indication, right? But who do they say that I am? Verse 14. And some of them said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Which is kind of weird because... There is a John the Baptist, right? Um, so there's two different people, but some are thinking, well, you know, maybe you're John the Baptist. And um, that was, you know, confusion early on. King Herod, when, you know, they're, um, they weren't sure exactly who this John the Baptist was because he came with authority and he came preaching and proclaiming the Christ. But nonetheless... Some thought he was John the Baptist, while others thought he was Elijah. Right? Elijah. Well, you know what? In Malachi 4, 5, the scriptures say, look, I will send Elijah before the dreadful day that the Lord will come. So the great hope for the Israelites was, hey, uh, the Messiah might be this resurrected Elijah. And so there was a traditional hope that well, Elijah's coming back. In fact, when they celebrate their Passover, the Seder, they would actually, you know, leave part of the meal there and leave the door open. That's part of their tradition is to leave the, the, the back door open in the Seder for Elijah to come back home. So some are thinking, hey, maybe, maybe he's Elijah. While others said, well, what about Jeremiah? In the Apocrypha, there were accounts of, of Jeremiah possibly coming back. Or possibly just one of the prophets. Just one of the, the great men of old that, that the Lord is, is calling back. Because, because here's the thing. The power, 
the, the message, the, the uniqueness that Jesus is, is, is presenting is different than normal. This is not just a guy. Okay, I walk in, I, I teach. Okay, nice guy. You don't walk away thinking, whoa, is this guy like a prophet from the dead? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Well, Jesus walked around the way he preaches, the authority that he preaches, the, 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 um, the miracles. He's special that it makes everybody around him think, wow, that he, there, there's something above and beyond with this Jesus. And so Jesus is asking, well, what's word around the campfire? Who do they say that I am? And if you could put yourself there in that situation and and put yourself around the campfire and here in Washington you know we've all been around the campfire and you start talking about things and you know you start talking about serious things and then you start coming up with your crazy conjectures and you know black helicopters and all kinds of stuff and you know the the, the good conversation all of a sudden gets cr on the crazy train real fast right and you can almost see this happening here where they're starting to talk about all these different conjectures of who Jesus is. And Simon Peter's like, whoa, you know what? Stop. You are the Christ. I, I'm tired of all this nonsense. I don't want to hear any more of it. You, you, you're not John the Baptist. You're not Elijah. You're not Jeremiah. You're not one of the prophets. You are, thou art the Christ. And then he he. Comes over the top even more. You're the son of the living God. Whoa. You don't want to talk about the gauntlet, right? <laughs> he just puts it, boom. There it is. Now, again, we tend to think of Jesus as like, this is all part of his name, you know, the son of the living Christ. This, this, is, this is a major proclamation, of, of this time where he's sitting there saying, you're, you're the, you are the promised hope of the coming Messiah, the God King, the man King. You are him. You are the son of the living God. Well, the son of a God is a God, right? I mean, do you guys understand what's being said here? This is a, a, a major proclamation. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You are exactly right. But it's not because you're smarter than everybody else. It's not because you're better than everybody else. It's not because you have greater faith than everybody else. You know why you're right? Because my Father revealed it to you. This is a really important takeaway for us. We are blessed. We are so blessed to know who the real Jesus is. We are so blessed to have that revealed to us. But be careful that you don't think and somehow in your your arrogance and somehow and after 5, 10, 15, 20 years of being in the church, that somehow you think that it's because of you. You've studied enough. You've read so many books. You've read the Bible over and over again that you know what? I know. 
because I've done something. No, just like God revealed it to Peter, God revealed it to you too. You would be utterly blind, deaf, and dumb. You would sit there and be flailing about wondering who Jesus is with all your conjecture too. And so it couple two things. One, it should be humbling for us. But even more importantly, it should be encouraging, exciting to know, you know what? Out there we have family and friends that don't know Jesus. And we don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't have to be the, the greatest preacher of the world. We just need the Lord to open up their hearts too. And so we plant seeds. We water we love, we live, and God causes the growth. So who did they say Jesus was? They said Jesus was a lot of things. But the eyewitness, the eyewitness, the, the, the person there living, watching, following Jesus, proclaims rightly that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a beautiful proclamation. What a beautiful announcement. Well, who does Jesus say that he is? Our, our ladies are going through a great Bible study. They're studying the Bible. They're studying the book of John. And in the book of John, we, you know, the, 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 the Gospels were written with purpose. Uh, the book of Matthew was written with a purpose to, to tell the story of Jesus, but with an emphasis on showing that, that he is the king, right? We, we, we see that... that um, in, in Luke, that there's a, a, a Jesus and he's a man and he's a servant. So, so Luke is written with Jesus from a perspective of he's a servant. And then Mark is written, he, he's a man. He's a man. And, and so the, a lot of the humanity is pointed out in the book of Mark. But then John, John's mission is to show Jesus is the living God. And so what we see in John is we don't see a genealogy story. We don't see the birth of, of, of Christ as a human in the book of John because we see the deity of Jesus. And what we see are these amazing I am statements. So who does Jesus say that he is? Well, he makes a lot of proclamations of who he is. And so in John 6.35, he says, well, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life, which again has that, that double meaning of, of not just being, when you think of, okay, in order to live, I have to eat. I have to have bread. He's like, look, in order for you to live, I'm your bread. I'm your life, right? But there's a double conundrum kind of a thing going on because there's the Passover and the whole offering and communion and the whole idea of the bread. And so Jesus says, listen, let me be clear. I am the bread. I'm the bread. I'm the body. And so that's part of when we're taking communion, when we honor him and remember him with the bread, the symbolic gesture of the bread. He's like, I am the bread. I'm the sacrifice. Wow. Okay. Uh, John 8, John 8, 12. I am the light. I am the light of the world. I am the illumination. I am the awakening. The, the world is a dark, sinful, wicked place. I am the light. 
Now, again, think of that as a proclamation. You're talking to your family, your friends, your neighbors. You want them to know Christ. You want them to, to be a Christian. And, and probably not the best way to direct and say, you know, if you're confused, just look at me because I'm the light. Right? It's, no, I'm, I'm not the light. Jesus is the light. He is that, that city on a hill, that, that beacon shining bright at all times that draws its attention, that, that opens your eyes. He's the great light. John 8, 58. John 8, 58 in this amazing proclamation. In fact, let's turn there to John 8. 58. And so in John 8, 58, <clears throat> I'll start in verse 57. The Jews therefore said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Remember, um, Jesus is, is debating with the Pharisees. He's talking with the Pharisees. In verse 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, again, you and I probably just rip right through this. Oh, yeah, Jesus says, I am. That's cool. You know, no. Look, first of all, you know, we, when we look at the structure of, of the written word and you look at the grammar of it, it's like the, the present tense, the past tense, the future tense, the tense has meaning. And so Jesus says, okay, before Abraham was born, I was born. That, that's what you would think, right? I was past tense. He says, no, before Abraham was born, I am. It's like, wait, that doesn't, that's bad grammar, Jesus. No, that's correct grammar. That's exactly what he's intending to say. Not only was I before him, during him, I am still happening. I am. And his I am is continuous. It's, it's not passive, it's continuous. Now, if you might be confused or, or maybe somebody reading it for the first time might be confused, confused at what Jesus is saying, the Pharisees were not confused, amused, or they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying, look, before Abraham was born, I was already in existence. I'm eternal. I'm better than Abraham. I'm the I am. Remember in the Old Testament, they, in, in Jewish tradition, they don't like calling God by name. In fact, in the Old Testament, they, you know, Yahweh is the, the Hebrew uh, transliteration, and they won't even say Yahweh. A, a real Orthodox conservative Jew will, will just, you know, just, they, they won't even repeat his name. And so when we're talking about I am, that's part of that old Israel. It's like, there's no name. It's just, well, who are you? And, and remember, when, when Abraham asked, who are you? And Moses asked, who are you? Right? And God says, I am. 
<laughs> who I am. And Jesus is now repeating that. Make no mistake, Jesus is proclaiming himself. John 10.9, he says, I am the door. I am the door. Again, that's a, a, a great picture in the scriptures. The door is the way. Remember, in the, in the early church, they, the early Christians referred to themselves as the way. Um, the way to what? The way to the door. The way to Jesus. Jesus is also referred to many times as the shepherd. And, and the good shepherd. And the good shepherd leads his flock to the, to the sheep gate. He's the door. Uh, we also think of some of the, the terminology with the temple. And, and drawing people to the temple. And so the door then is always has that idea of being the one true way, the entrance. The entrance to what? The entrance to forgiveness, the entrance to, to heaven. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. That makes him the master. That makes us, that's right, the sheep. We are the sheep. We are the the. The ones who wander, we're the ones who go away, but he's the one who seeks and saves the lost. He's the one who will leave the 99 to pursue. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus in John eleven twenty five says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm, I have power over life and death. That's a big matzo ball, right? I have power over life and death. That's who I am. Who are you? You have power over life and death. John 14, 6, again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through the Son. Nobody gets to God but through Jesus. You can't earn your way. You can't pay your way. You, you, you can't do anything to get to the Father but through the Son, and there's not many different ways. Again, the biblical pattern that we see throughout the Scriptures, there's only one way to the Father. One way. You don't get to pick your way, Adam and Eve. It's not about you picking your way to cover your sin. I have a way to cover sin. Blood, atoning sacrifice. There's only one way to save yourself from the great flood. That's through the door, on the ark, my way, no other way. Everybody else dies. And over and over and over again, you get into the, to the desert and the, the Israelites have sinned against God and God sends serpents to, to punish them as a consequence for their sin and their disobedience and they're going to die. And all they have to do is look up at the staff in faith, in hope, in confidence and be forgiven of their sin. Do it that one way or you die. Many decide, ah, I'm too good for that. Right? One way, put the blood over the posts. Put the blood over the posts of your doorway and the angel of death will pass over your household and not strike you down. My way, one way, the only way. This is the pattern that we see throughout the scriptures. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the only way to get to the Father is you got to go through me. Follow me. Listen to me. Obey me. 
John 15, 1, I am the true vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Again, this great picture of this tie into us that we're a part of the family. He's the vine. He's the main vine. And you're part of the, the branches. We're all part of the, the same family. But he's the vine. He's the vine, the true vine. Again, back in John chapter 8, verse 18, verse 18 says, I am he who bears witness of myself. <laughs> and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And so they were saying to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And he said, therefore, again to them, I go away and you shall seek me and shall die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Therefore, the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. Verse 24, and I said, therefore, to you, that you shall die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, then you shall die in your sins. And so they were saying to him, who are you? Who are you? Who is Jesus? Jesus is saying of himself, I'm him. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, again, it's I am the I am. I am him. Who's him? The one who saves you. Who's him? The one who judges you. Who's him? Your friend. Who's him? The king. Who's him? The lamb. Who's him? I am the high priest. I am him, 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 and him, and him. I am him. I am. Great proclamation that Jesus made. Now notice when Jesus had asked them, hey, who do they say that I am? They had nine possibilities of answers that they could have given that would have been more on Jesus's, you know, uh, pass or fail sheet. But they weren't thinking that way. And this is where you and I have to adjust. Who do, who did they say Jesus was? Who did Jesus say that he was? Well, who do we say that he is? Do we have the right understanding of who Jesus is? Do we get it? Jesus claimed to be the living God. He claimed to be the God King, the Messiah, the I Am. That's who he claimed to be. The, the audacity of the claim warrants either instantaneous stoning, like the Pharisees attempted to do, or instantaneous worship. And so that's where we're at. We have to ask ourselves, well, who is Jesus? Who do I believe that Jesus is? Do I have the right Story. Do I have the right document that tells me who Jesus is? <clears throat> and if I do, 
then I have to understand that then my job is to, in Matthew 16.24, after Jesus is asking, who do they say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And it ends with verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if you wish to come after me, if, if, if you call me the Christ too, if you're pronouncing me king, then you must do this. You must deny yourself. That means you put Jesus Christ first. That means you put your will, your desire first. I want to do this. You don't get to do that. You know, at the men's meeting, we're talking about some of our reactions and how we would respond to some of the political things. You don't get to respond that way. You're not God. You're not the king. We follow him. And that begins with the surrendering of ourself, our autonomy, our, our pride. And so what was the pattern of Jesus? Deny himself take up his cross? Are, are you ready to take up your cross? Do you understand that the scriptures promise over and over and over and over again, brace yourself, you will suffer. There will be pain in your life. There will be trials in your life. There will be temptations in your life. I can say this unequivocally, I promise you. You know why? Because the Bible promises you over and over and over again, this sinful world that's tainted will produce consequences. Your own sin will produce consequences. Life is not going to be easy. But you can be saved from it. But you have a future hope and promise that's waiting for you. And this is temporary and that's eternal. And so that's the hope that they see when they see Jesus being born is I now have a future hope. This hope is, is it, it's coming to reality here. The king is born. Our hope is different. Our hope is on the other side. We've seen the baby born. We've seen the baby die. We've seen the baby resurrected. We want that baby back, right? Who is Jesus? Do you guys really proclaim him as the Christ, the King. Again, going back to we're in a day and age where we can think things, we can say things. You know, where what starts in our heads doesn't mean a whole lot. People say one thing and do the complete opposite. Quick example, I'm going to go out and have a peaceful protest. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Man, maybe mostly, kind of. Well, we say things, but what do you really believe? It goes from the head to the heart. What do you really believe? What's genuinely true about that? And then what do you do? It goes from the head to the heart to the hand. What do you physically do? We are called to be obedient. We are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Be like Jesus. We're called to have fruit. Matthew 7, if you turn to Matthew 7, it's very, very clear. 
We are saved by grace through faith, not of our own. It's a gift from God. God reveals it to us. The way we are saved is by faith, not by works, not by actions, not by deeds. Once we are saved, then we should see the fruit of that salvation. Matthew 7, 17, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. You say you're a Christian tree, let's see the Christian fruit. But the bad trees have bad fruit. How come the Christian tree has the non-Christian fruit all over it? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's gentle. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Okay, now I'm getting a little nervous. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Okay, let's, let's evaluate verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your name celebrate Christmas and in your name... Oh, I threw that in there, sorry. Just because we say things, it doesn't necessarily make it so. Verse 23, and then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawless, you who practice, practice, train yourself, continue to practice lawlessness. And I love this phrasing here because as an athlete, I hear practice and it all triggers in, right? Practice. How do I get good? I practice practice over and over. No, no, no. I don't practice. I perfect practice. I practice to perfection because practice makes permanent. So if I practice it the wrong way, I'm going to produce the wrong result. So the idea here is depart from your lawless practice. It's a continual pattern that you're, you're practicing, not a one-time event, right? We, we will do lawless things. We will sin. The idea here is we're looking for your fruit. Are you bearing any fruit? Or do you continuously practice doing the wrong thing? You're, you're actually practicing to produce bad fruit. Now, you may be practicing to produce good fruit and sometimes you have some bad apples that happens but practice practice following Christ practice following him and so who do you say that Jesus is the Bible doesn't care who what you say the Bible cares about what you do and again, let me be clear. We're not talking about how we're saved. We're saved totally as this free gift of grace. But, but 
but the revealing of the genuineness of your 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 genuine belief is what what do you do one of the great events that happens every year happened yesterday i'm sure you guys have it all marked down in your calendars it's the usc ucla football game it's a beautiful thing and you got one city and if you guys don't live there, I mean, they've got these two major colleges and they're 10 miles apart and all the kids go to school together in high school and grow up together and then they, they graduate and then they work together forever and you, you've got these two schools. And in and, 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 and one of the great traditions of college football, they're the only school in college football that they both get to wear their home jerseys for their game. So they have their beautiful colors, right? Their beautiful colors are both together on the field at the same time. Now, here's what you don't do if you're a Trojan fan. You don't wear baby powder blue. It's disgusting, right? Well, but in my heart, I'm a Trojan. No, you don't wear that. You, you don't wear purple when you're a cougar, right? That, that's... Why then do we think that, that serving Christ is any different? Well, inside I follow Jesus, but outside I wear the other team's gear. I, do, I, I practice the other team's practices. Remember, we've been talking about holiness in Israel and how they separate themselves from the world so that when, when you walk through town, everybody knows who you are. Because the one guy in baby powder blue is going to stand out with all the other ones in the cardinal red. Uh, I saw a video of a, there's a great tradition in uh, college football again with Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you know, is all red. Everybody's in red. There's this one, this one guy, and he's, he's a Michigan fan. He's in navy blue. And it really just, and he's just standing like this. And everybody else is like, jumping around, going crazy, all hyped up. And he's just like, he stands out, right? He stands out. At some point, Jesus is saying, look, they say a lot of things about me. Like it's something like of, of a big deal. Oh, Jesus is John the Baptist. Who's John the Baptist compared to Jesus? Who's Elijah compared to Jesus? Who's Jeremiah compared to Jesus? Jesus lays it out. This is who I am. Do you believe on the bread of life? Do you believe that I am the light of your, the world? Do you believe that before Abraham was, I am? Do you believe that I am the one way? So you're going to follow me and go through my door? Do you believe I'm the good shepherd? So you're going to listen and follow me and follow my voice, not the voice of the world? Do you believe on the resurrection of the life that you too can be resurrected from from death because I did? Do you believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way but through me? So follow me, and I'm the true vine. Do you believe that I'm him? Well, we'll see. And so we have a great opportunity to not only worship the birth of Christ in our hearts, and just the, the, the memory and the nostalgia of, of, and the awe of, of Christ being born. But there's an even bigger picture for us. This is our life. 
This is my master. This is my savior. Glory be to God in highest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for...